Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wednesday, July 27th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, uh, the the Guardians youth movement again last night, coming through in a in a big way. Uh, I guess it it started off with in the most veteran way possible with Brian Shaw pitching two scoreless innings as the uh, the opener, but then uh, Kirk McCarty comes in, a rookie left-hander, uh, four scoreless innings against Boston. Uh, Nolan Jones makes a big play in the outfield to, with a double play, uh, a, a throw out at, at home plate uh, to get Xander Bogarts. And then, uh, you know, he hits a, a three-run home run to give him a 5 nothing lead. Uh, it was uh, after Shaw, it was youth being served in that game in that in that win against Boston. Yeah, definitely. It was a much-needed win. Uh, you know, after, you know, you know, they had a missed opportunity over the weekend in Chicago to, you know, do more than a split to win that series. Then they come to Boston and lose the opener on uh, uh, Monday night in kind of a lackluster affair, a three to one uh, score. And uh, but last night uh, they score eight runs. And, uh, you know, this offense looks so much better, Joe, when, you know, somebody hits one out of the yard. Uh, Nolan Jones is three run homer. Austin Hedges hits a solo home run. It it just flows so much better, you know, when they can combine, you know, their run and hit and stealing bases and first to third and making contact philosophy with somebody that can, you know, pop the baseball. Yeah, it's uh, it, you've got to have both halves. I think is is what is what this what they're learning. I guess is that if you don't have the guys on base and and making traffic and and making things happen combined with that power then you're going to get the results that they've been getting which is which is really inconsistency more than anything else uh you you talked about nolan jones you talked about somebody to to put three runs on the board I, you know it's it was funny on on the broadcast last night they were talking about you know uh the best basketball players on the team and all that, and that nolan jones would be the best three-point shooter both of his home runs in in his what first 15 or so games have, have been three-pointers uh you know those really change a game, uh, and and you, you go from having a, a two run lead with with Shaw on the mound, and he's going out there for the that third inning of work. Uh, you've got a little bit of wiggle room. You can send Shaw back out there as an opener to see if he can get you a couple more outs. Uh, ultimately, he didn't, but 
you, you, there's a little bit more comfort in, in handing the ball to a, a Kirk McCarty to see what he can do. And you were rewarded with that. Uh, Kirk McCarty looked like a completely different pitcher. Yeah. What, what did Earl Weaver say? Baseball is uh good pitching and three run homers. And uh, you know, the, the three run homers do a lot, a lot to uh, change the scoreboard. And like you said, Joe, uh, it, it's much easier to pitch when you've got a lead, a comfortable lead. We saw that with McCarty. He just, he looked like a different guy, man. I mean, and this guy, what he, in his two appearances, previous appearance, he faced the Yankees, right? I think, you know, the Yankees at Yankee Stadium and at Progressive Field. Now he gets Boston at Fenway, which, uh, you know, all those right-handed hitters can play wall ball with against a lefty, but, you know, he dominated. I mean, that was, that was really, really encouraging. And I think you, you probably got to, I don't think he's an up and down guy, you know, you know, I think he's, he he might stick around for a while. But uh, I think the, the opener strategy worked to perfection there. Uh, You know, maybe he's a guy who can't go through an order, you know, more than a batting order right now, more than, uh, you know, once or twice, uh, he, you look up and out of the 14 guys, he, he, he retired 12 of the 14 guys he faced. He comes in after maybe, you know, six, seven batters. Maybe you, you start him or you, you play, you pitch him in a game with an opener again and see if you can get that effectiveness again. It, it's the same thing that, you know, Eli Morgan was struggling with as well. When he would start a game, he'd go through the order once he'd be He'd be all right, and then you know the second or third time through facing a guy, it, it, they they figure out that oh this guy's only got a changeup, so let's let's sit on changeups. Uh, I think McCarty could be effective if you're just looking for those three or four innings. I I I gotta think maybe they try it again. Uh, you know, coming up on Sunday, and we'll and we'll get to the whole the whole concept of what what could be coming on Sunday when we talk about Brian Shaw, but. McCarty and and Jones really combining there to to sort of uh, give Terry Francona exactly what he's looking for uh, from these young guys. Yeah, and then you get another three hit game from uh, from Quan. Uh, you know, scores a run. Uh, still has some. He's, he left his imprint on the monster too. I mean, I I don't know if he he gave himself a concussion or what. Boy, that make, it, doesn't hard. that make doesn't that make a sound when he hits the wall like that? That's oh just oh. they got to have that wall mic'd up, right? I mean, it has. Yeah, to there's got to be a mic over there. Yeah, it, because it sounds like the, the end of the world when you when when a when a hitter a player hits that wall, man. Well, well, he talked about it after the game. He said, you know, it's it's still a work in progress. You could play ten games there and still not see everything you need to see or experience everything you need to experience to be good at playing uh, in in that situation. So, you know, give Quan credit. You know, he learns as well as anybody. He's not going to make that same mistake twice. You saw him on a ball over his head off the wall, get, you know, three steps, and then he stopped, turned around, and played yeah. the bounce a lot better. Uh, there wasn't going to be a ball that bounced over his head this time, uh, and that didn't happen. So, uh, you know, yeah, uh, a lot to be encouraged by. You saw Miles Straw hit the ball again, you know, a couple of times. It's It's been, uh, it's been encouraging on the offensive side, too, uh, you know, this series so far in Boston. Now, granted, you're not facing maybe Boston's A team. They've got a lot of injuries. Rafael Devers is not in that lineup. It makes things look a little different. But uh, you're you were out there uh, against a guy in Josh Winchowski who 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 really sort of held you at bay the last time he faced you. 
uh, back in Cleveland. So, uh, yeah, they, they, they learned and they grew and they made, uh, they made the most of it. Yeah, definitely. It was a good game. It was a rare game where they had some breathing room. It wasn't down to the ninth inning. It wasn't, there wasn't trying to rally, you know, you weren't down two going with two outs in the ninth. Uh, it was, it was a game where, you know, you could relax and, and yeah. kind of, they, they opened it up a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, I could write a game story starting in the seventh inning and I didn't have to yeah. wait. Until the end of the, geez, it's, it's so much, it's very considerate of the, uh, the reporters who were writing stories about the game That's, uh, for them to do that. Joe, you, you had an interesting note uh, in your notebook about uh, about Eli Morgan. What what can you tell us about that with, uh, you know, his work with uh, Carl Willis? Eli had a lot of success early in the season. Uh, his May was outstanding. They sort of leaned on him out of the bullpen, and he was able to do a lot, uh, a 0.75 ERA in May. Uh, but but gradually, you know, as as happens to every pitcher, really, uh, the league makes adjustments to you and the, the results of your season are going to depend on how you make those adjustments back. Uh, Morgan's ERA ballooned up to three uh, for the month of June. And in July, it was 7.11. Uh, you know, he's, he's giving up uh, a, a lot more hard contact and teams are, are really game planning for him now. And that's what Carl Willis said was that, you know, they go into series now looking at him in their meetings and saying, okay, this is how we're going to attack Eli Morgan. And, and he has to make these adjustments now back uh, because you're right. He is, he is pretty primarily a, a two pitch pitcher, you know, fastball and changeup. Uh, he's got to understand what the strategy is going to be to attack him. And he's got to sort of use that against these hitters now. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, he came in last night, what an inning through an inning gave up a run another two hits and a run but you know hopefully he's making those adjustments because he's he was a huge part of this uh this bullpen in the first half and they're going to need him down the stretch well and you could tell the first batter he faced when he came on in the eighth inning uh you could tell he was sitting fastball he knew to be looking for something out over the plate uh first pitch and he hit the ball off the wall and you know it was a first pitch double uh, so yeah, there's, there's a learning curve going on there and, and you can't, you got to remember these guys are all still so young. Uh, Tito's going to bring that up every time you mention this is that, you know, Morgan's still just sort of figuring things out and, uh, the, the growth that he's experiencing right now in, out of the bullpen this year, it, it's, it's got to sort of mirror what Cal Quantrill went through last year early and maybe previously in his career where, you know, Cal has said, you know, he's figuring out in his role in the bullpen, he's figuring out how to get major league hitters out. And and that's just where uh, Eli's development is right now. They're not going to run away from Eli Morgan right now. Eli Morgan's their setup, man. He's, he's the guy who has to get outs, you know, in the seventh and eighth inning in order to get the ball to Emmanuel class a uh, he's been effective and, and he's, he's going to need to be effective again if this team's going to keep winning. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And you got Trevor Steffen right behind him who's gone through, you know, the ups the same kind of ups and downs. And he seems to be, you know, he seems to be trending upward as well right now. All right. The other big sort of uh angle or store or, or you know, uh side of that was the, was Brian Shaw obviously becoming uh the I guess the he had pitched the most games in major league history before his first start. So 732 relief appearances, and he makes his first start. He gets out there those those two innings as the opener, 
Uh, now he's lobbying Terry Francona. Uh, he he says either pitch me tomorrow, you know, pitch me on on Wednesday, or you know, save me up for seventy pitches on uh, on Sunday. He thinks he's going to go out there on Sunday uh, when the the spot in the rotation comes up again and and pitch against Tampa Bay, and that could set up a, a most interesting experience with Brian Shaw starting against Corey Kluber uh, in Tampa. Uh, Oh, what a what a wonderful sight would that would be to behold. Yeah, that would be cool. Uh, you know, two old teammates. Uh, but the question is, Joe, uh, could could Shaw go four days without pitching? You know, if he if they give him the start, would would he be back, you know, bouncing off the walls? Yeah, I I can't and that might be the way that, that Tito gets out of uh <laughs> the idea of of having to do that. You know, maybe you start Sam Hentges or maybe you start uh, you know, Trevor Steffen as, as an opener either in, in that game, but, uh, you know, give them the idea that, Hey, you're only going to get six to eight batters and that's it. And then we're going to, you know, maybe give the ball off to McCarty again. Uh, I think McCarty definitely earned the, um, uh, the opportunity to, to go back out there and, and show them again, uh, that maybe he can do that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you get DFA'd what twice in about four weeks, you know, that, that changes your perspective on things. I think, you know, you're probably wondering, do I belong in this big, in the big leagues? You, then you get another chance and uh, you know, it's kind of, there's nothing holding me back anymore. So that's what McCarty uh, looked like last night. Yeah. Getting DFA twice in a couple of weeks, uh, you know, adds a couple of miles per hour to your fastball. He was pumping gas. He was throwing 95 up and away to, uh, to some of these uh, Red Sox hitters. He was really impressive. All right, let's uh, let's chat a little bit about uh, trade deadline. We're gonna do a, a, a maybe a bigger story on that uh, tomorrow. Uh, just looking as we we get uh, really close and into the the trade deadline stuff. Uh, but you know, there's a, a piece on ESPN uh, today by our friend Jeff Passan who says that the Guardians might be opening to uh, might be open to trading uh, Zach Plesac or Aaron Savali. I got to imagine those would be part of a package of some sort, maybe with a tra- uh, Framo Reyes uh, going somewhere. Uh, it, to me, it when when I hear things like that, it just sounds like uh, they are sticking with their strategy and they want to open up roster spots for some of these young players who are on the 40-man roster who they need to get eyes on and, you know, maybe half a season of bringing them up and, and letting them, uh, you know, you know, pitch and, and play uh, is what's going to happen. And if they try to win during that, that's great, but uh, they might have to do it without guys like Reyes, Rosario, uh, or Plesek. Yeah, delicate balance, definitely, Joe. They're walking a fine line. Right now they're two and a half games out You know, behind the Twins. The Twins are struggling a bit in the for the division. And they're, uh, you know, they're two and a half behind uh, Tampa Bay, for the third wild card spot who, you know, that's where they end up this uh, road trip against the race. So they're certainly in the middle of this, this race. And uh, I think, uh, you know, <laughs> Chris Antonetti and, and uh, Mike Chernoff, you know, really have to be, you know, it's like, uh, what, what do they call what those Lego blocks? What, what, when you build a tower and uh, you don't want it to fall, what, what are the, what's that game you play with the wood blocks? Uh, uh, don't break the ice. You can play that or Jenga. Yeah. 
It's like yeah, building, you're talking about Jenga. Yeah, Jenga. It's a it's a Jenga game. You don't want to you don't want to pull out the wrong one and collapse the whole thing. Yeah, it's uh, or it's don't break the ice. You you pop the uh the ice cube out and uh the whole thing could collapse if you pick the wrong one. So yeah, very similar strategies in the in both of those games. But uh, yeah, I I just think I think right now the message at the beginning of the year was probably hey we're gonna get to this point where. It's going to seem crazy to trade a guy like Ahmed Rosario because we know he's going to be hitting and they're going to do it anyways. So, uh, you know, you got to look at what teams uh, Ahmed could be could be interested in in uh, in getting a guy who's, you know, he's hitting close to, to 300 now. He's 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 that hot. He's giving you multiple hit games, uh, you know, every other night. And he's really sort of starting to come into his own again, like he did last year at this time. Uh, maybe the Yankees are, are a team that's interested in uh, Ahmed Rosario. Uh, you know, they they understand he's going to give you what he gives you defensively, but uh, they're constantly looking for somebody like like that to to play shortstop. Uh, he he's no Derek Jeter, I guess is 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 everybody who's ever come after Derek Jeter. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough act to follow in in the Big Apple, but still, yeah, he got two hits last night. Scored a run. I mean, the guys, you know, just we've we've said it before, Joe. I mean, he, you know, he's the most consistent hitter on this team. Sets the example, you know, with his speed and, and has played, you know, above average defense. I think. I, I don't know. I watch him every night, and I think he's a pretty. You know, he's played well at shortstop. He he hasn't killed you as much uh, as as you would think. Uh, you know, he he's he's not a defense first guy. Andres Jimenez is clearly a better uh, better shortstop. But Ahmed Rosario is comfortable at shortstop. That's where he's comfortable, and that's where he's most productive, and he's more productive at the plate when he's playing shortstop. So you play him at shortstop, you keep him in as at second base, and, and you, you go with what you got there. Uh, I just – every time every time we're at a game and Ahmed Rosario gets a hit, Tom Withers from the AP turns to me and he goes, how can you trade this guy? How can, how can you trade this guy? And And he's right. But I, I still believe that they're going to trade him. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just that's just the way it's going right now. Okay, at least it's trending, and 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 we don't have the crystal ball. I guess Tito says we don't have the crystal ball. We can't uh, can't do that. Joe, uh, when, I, when I when I look at this rotation, I think I wouldn't be surprised if they added a starter. You know, rented a guy uh, like a Jose Quintana. I mean, Luis Castillo would be a big investment from the Reds, but. You know, I even read that Tarek Skubal was is available. The Tigers have made him available, but those are those are big deals. But yeah, I, I can't like see the Quintana Tigers. I can't see the Tigers trading Skubal to a a division, yeah. opponent and have to face him every year for the next five years. Uh, that that I I don't see that happening. But you know, stranger things have happened. I guess uh, the red. I would be really scared of making a deal with the Reds simply because they know your system. They know who you've got because they train with you. They've seen all right. of you guys. They share the complex with you. And they, they, they know what, what talent you have. So they can, they can strike for, you know, somebody who could, who could really hurt you. Yeah. That would drive a hard bargain. Definitely. So, so yeah, I think, you know, both of those, you know, uh, no, but, but Castillo would look great uh, in, in that rotation. I think uh, just to, as, as a, you know, a, a change of pace with, you know, a guy who, who, who really relies on that changeup, uh, uh, as it, 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 you know, rich man's Eli Morgan. Um, 
it, as far as what they're going to look for, if they were buyers right now, what, what do you think the priority would be if the Guardians were buyers right now? You know, I think, you know, to, they'd have to try to improve the offense somehow. Maybe a first baseman. You know, would you would you go look at a first baseman? I, you know, that's my, my you know, I think that's that's what I where I'd look for. Maybe a catcher, uh, you know, Contreras. But uh, I guess Contreras was waving goodbye to the Cubs fans last night. Well, yeah, they're going out <laughs> on the road, and he thinks he's played his last game at Wrigley. Yeah, but, but he's still there, right? He hasn't yeah. gone anywhere yet. So I, I don't know what all that was about. But well, I. I... Yeah, I could. I think primarily they, if they were looking to improve their team right now, they need some sort of offense from that catching position. They need something. Uh, but I know that that Tito really likes both of the guys that they've got there. He really likes Luke Maley, and he likes Austin Hedges even more. So uh, it's not because of what they do at the plate; it's what they do behind it, and yeah, in the clubhouse absolutely. for both of them. So. Uh, that, that's, that's what you got there. All right. We're going to, uh, wrap it up for, uh, today's edition of the Cleveland baseball talk podcast. We'll be back to talk more trade deadline speculation, uh, which guardians players are most likely to get moved at the deadline and which guys are absolutely not going anywhere. We will talk about that tomorrow on the Cleveland baseball talk podcast. We'll catch you then. <laughs>